Hey y'all, what is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba from Miami, Melba for Justice, also known as the Resident Legal Diva. And it is time for another Mondays with Melba. So it is the start of Women's History Month. Um, super excited for a number of guests this month. Um, and also our legislative session here in Florida starts today. So get ready for 60 days of pure unadulterated madness. Um, a lot of really problematic and scary bills have been floated. Some have been introduced. So let's see what actually gets out of committee and ends up making it to the floor for a greater debate. So I'll be bringing on guests throughout the month who will talk about different bills that they are advocating for or against. And we can get educated about those issues and then, of course, reach out to our legislators to let them know that we agree or disagree with a particular bill going forward. Because, again, the key to a democracy is for everyone to participate, right? Like democracy is a contact sport. <laughs> you don't just get that and things just happen. We have to be proactive in letting our voice be heard. So there's that. Um, also, in terms of some great news, um, today, Monday, March 6th, uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Kataji Brown Jackson is having a street named after her in Miami-Dade County. It is on Eureka Drive, which is down south um, in, in the south end of the county. And she was a graduate of Palmetto Senior High. So again, it's just a beautiful thing to see an amazing, qualified, you know, African-American, finally, finally, finally finally, an African-American woman on the Supreme Court, and she hails from Miami and is able to inspire others to greatness. So again, good news. But then let's get into the other stuff, because unfortunately, the show is always good news, bad news, right? So I wanted to talk about um, a really awful incident that happened about a week ago in Orlando. Um, five people were shot and three people were killed uh, by a gunman. We still, a lot is still coming out. We don't understand why or, you know, what the root of this was. But what has been very clear and is very wrong, problematic on so many levels, is that the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, and uh, U.S. Senator Rick Scott, who used to be governor of Florida before uh, Ron DeSantis, both came out and attacked the elected prosecutor that's handling this case. So first, let me start with the background. I've got my handy dandy notes ready. So um, what basically happened was uh, there was a defendant by the name of Keith Melvin Moses, okay? He is 19 years old. So for purposes of the criminal justice system, he is deemed to be an adult in Florida, right? And so on this particular day, he um, basically had an encounter with this young lady by the name of Natasha Augustine. It's not clear if they knew each other or anything like that, but apparently she was in a car, uh, the car stopped and offered defendant Moses a ride. And within seconds of that interaction, he turns around and shoots uh, Natasha Augustine dead. So that's the first interaction. He flees the scene. He leaves. Then a news crew comes and, you know, everybody's like, you know, what's going on? You know, police respond, the yellow crime scene tape, et cetera. He comes back to the scene to see what's going on. And then he ends up shooting Tiana Major, um, who is a nine-year-old girl, a gymnast, um, had huge hopes and dreams and aspirations. She ends up dying as a result. Her mother was also shot. She survived. And then, unfortunately, he then 
ended up shooting uh, a member of the news crew, which is Spectrum News in Orlando. The name of the journalist was uh, Dylan Lyons. So he was there along with his video journalist, which is Jesse Walden. So unfortunately, Dylan Lyons ends up getting killed as a result of being shot by Moses. And then the video journalist luckily has survived, but again, very critical injury. So you've got five people that were shot. Again, odd situation because it's like, it doesn't seem that he's he knows these people. Um, some of the witnesses have said that he was walking around that day, kind of talking to himself, sweaty. So the question is, is this mental illness? Was he under the influence? Again, we a lot is just not known about the situation, but we do know that you know, five people were shot, three were killed, and this was all at the hands of Keith Melvin Moses. So there's the layout of what happened. Now, currently, there's all of this weird political hullabaloo where the governor is basically saying it's the elected prosecutor's fault that defendant Moses was on the street to commit this crime. So Let's break down these allegations, okay? So the elected prosecutor that is handling this case, which, because again, this is in Orlando. Orlando is in what's called Orange Osceola County here in, in Florida, in Central Florida. The elected is Monique Worrell. She ran in 2020 on a progressive platform. She was sworn into office about January of 2021. Well, the defendant, Moses, was involved in a number of incidences when he was a juvenile and he had a number of cases when he was a juvenile. Florida law says, and the law in most states is is pretty much the same on this, that whatever happened while you were a juvenile does not get used in adult court against you, right? Because again, the thought process is when you're a kid or juvenile, right? You do stupid things and these are mistakes that shouldn't follow you into adulthood. There are some exceptions to that, but generally it requires that the juvenile is tried in adult court, which did not happen in this case, right? So Moses had a number of cases while he was a juvenile. He served those sentences except for one. So here's where it gets interesting. So the defendant Moses was on juvenile probation for charge, right? If you're on probation and you pick up a new charge, meaning you get arrested for something else and it and it has merit, right? Like it's a real case, then that violates your probation and then would mean that you are now facing the maximum amount at law based on the charge that you're on probation for. So let's say you're on probation for a, a theft, right? A theft of over a thousand dollars or more. The maximum you face is five years in prison. If you're on probation, you pick up a new case. And, you, and it's deemed to violate your probation, that means you're now facing five years in prison because of the fact that you are on probation, right? So in the juvenile system, it's similar. But here's the thing. The court only has jurisdiction of folks. And again, that's going to shift from state to state. But in Florida, the court has jurisdiction up until the age of 24. Okay, so it's not like, you know, if you're if you're a juvenile, it's not like they can just like keep you on probation forever. Right. So even if the law says the maximum for X charge is 15 years, is 25 years, because of the fact that this happened when he was a juvenile, the longest the court could deal with him was until the age of 24. So there's that. So just kind of giving you the state of play behind that. Now, in his particular instance, he was on probation 
and he was pulled over in a car. He was not the driver, but he was in a car which had cannabis that had marijuana and there was also a gun. So pull over, they detain all three, whatever the case may be. They take the marijuana or they take whatever it is they're able to find. And then they also take the gun. Now, they then submitted the gun and the cannabis, we believe, for testing, right? Because in order to be able to prove that somebody was in possession of marijuana, you've got to test it, right? And, and you would think logically, oh, but it smells like marijuana. It looks like it. That's not enough to prove the case at trial. You have to have a chemist basically test the drugs, whether it's marijuana, whether it's opioids, whether it's cocaine, they have to test it in the lab and then issue a finding that says the thing that was recovered on X day in this case is in fact cannabis, right? Well, the lab wasn't able to do that. They couldn't tell whether it was marijuana or if it was hemp. If it's hemp, that is legal in the United States, period, no matter where you are, right? Doesn't matter whether it's medical marijuana, you know, recreational, that has nothing to do with hemp. Hemp and marijuana are related, but they're not the same thing. So if it was in fact hemp, they could not charge him with possession of marijuana. So number one, the chemist couldn't say that what it was was marijuana. So that charge is done. You can't charge anybody with that. The second aspect was the gun. Now, in order to charge someone with possession of a gun, you got to prove that they were the person that had it, right? Like you can't just roll up in court without proof, right? Former prosecutor here, you know, you look at your cases and if you don't have enough to go forward, you cannot go forward. You're, it is, there's ethical issues at play there. And it's just proof beyond a reasonable doubt. If you can't prove your case, you're not going to stand up and look stupid in front of the judge and jury. You're just not going to do it, right? So. In this instance, the gun was recovered from the car. It was supposed to be tested by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which means when they tested, they're testing for prints, they're testing for DNA, they're testing for anything that can link that gun to who it belongs to, right? Is it registered? You know, can we trace it based on the serial numbers? What do we know about this weapon? Once you get all that information, then you can make a decision as to who can be charged and then what level of charge is appropriate and then go forward with the case. For some reason, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement never tested the gun. So the prosecutor is sitting there because, again, it is not the elected prosecutor, Monique Worrell, that's handling the case. It is a line prosecutor, you know, whoever it is that's going to pick up this case and look at the evidence. And you're going to look at the fact that you've got a guy that was pulled over in a car with suspect marijuana, but I can't prove it was marijuana because the lab can't tell me, had a gun in the car, but you can't tell me who's the gun belonged to because I got three people sitting in the car, no fingerprints, no DNA. So how am I going to say that this person was the one that was in possession of the gun? Because think about it, you have three people in the car, you can't prove which one, every single one is going to say, it's not my gun, I didn't know it was there, it's so-and-so's. And the other one is going to be like, yeah, it wasn't my gun, I didn't see anything, I didn't know it was there, it must be so-and-so. Everybody's going to be pointing like this. That is not proof beyond reasonable doubt. So that case fell apart, right? Because there was no evidence. So now, the governor and Senator Scott are out here running the streets talking about... 
oh my gosh, these woke prosecutors need to be fired and they can't follow the law and this, that, and the other. And now there was a letter, basically a demand letter that was sent from the governor's office to Monique, Ro State Attorney Monique Rowell's office to be like, we want all the files, we want you know all the information having to do with this defendant and his prior cases. Okay, problem number one, he was a juvenile when all of these cases happened. So again, the governor has direct access. He's going to have to talk to FDLE and all of that because of the fact that when it happened as a juvenile, it is the case is sealed, right? Like it doesn't come back to you as an adult. So asking her to give him that information, okay, fine, but she can't use any of it, right? Like she herself could not use it to do anything in this case. So again, a nothing burger. Secondly, they're saying all these disingenuous things like, oh, well, if they had done something differently on this case, like what? There was no evidence. What are we supposed to stop here, you know, framing people? Is that what Governor DeSantis and Rick Scott want to see? Is, is that the, the criminal justice system to them? That she that she, her office was supposed to try and frame this kid because there was no evidence? And thirdly, the reality is there is no crystal ball in prosecution, right? There is no way that you're going to know for sure 100% that this person is going to commit a new crime. You can't. This isn't like that movie Minority Report where it's like, oh, okay, predictive, this person is going to, you know, commit a mass murder in five years. Therefore, we need to do something with them now. You don't know that. You can only deal with the information and the proof you have at hand. And that's all that can be considered in deciding whether or not you have enough to file a case and whether or not you have enough to try the case. So all of this foolishness, they're out there saying, oh, she's a woke prosecutor and she didn't do her job. She did. She did. FDLE was the one that Florida Department of Law Enforcement were the ones that fell down on the job because they couldn't, they didn't analyze the gun. If they had, and if there was something to tie him, I'm quite sure she would have gone ahead and prosecuted because again, you don't, you don't sleep on gun charges, right? Like those, those are one of the things that, especially as a prosecutor, that's going to, that's going to cause you problems. Because again, if somebody has a gun, now there's the question of, are they intending to use it and how so? Are they just having it as self-defense? You know, are they entitled to have it by law? And now that brings in the whole discussion that this legislative session, the, the some legislators introduced a bill that would allow for permitless carry, meaning that you don't have to get a concealed weapons permit, take a class, do any training in order to carry a gun. You just have to pass the federal background check and be able to get a gun legally. And, you know, then you can carry it with you concealed any way, shape or form. Well, how much, how's that going to work now when you have the situation of, people just carrying guns illegally. How are you gonna be able to tell that that's a legal gun or not, right? Like that can't necessarily be the pretense you use because again, unless you are a convicted felon, you have the right to carry a gun. As long as you pass the background check, you got the gun legally, you can carry it and just walk around. So, you know, you're over here on one hand, trying to expand and have more people carry, but then at the same token, you want to, you know, completely go after this prosecutor for the fact that, over the fact that your own Florida Department of Law Enforcement didn't do what they were supposed to do. So now you're going to take it out on the elected prosecutor. So all of this is disingenuous. The families of the three people that were killed have all come out 
furious. They're just like, you're not going to take our, you know, deceased loved one's name and use that for your political gain. Because here's the other thing that folks may not have picked up on. So some of you may have heard about uh, state attorney Andrew Warren, who was the state attorney in Hillsborough County, which is Tampa. And he was removed from office by Governor DeSantis. The, he sued. The federal judge came out with a scathing, scathing, scathing. I mean, fire opinion that was basically like he didn't, you know, state attorney Warren didn't break the law. He's being, you know, persecuted for political speech. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong. There was no reason for him to be removed from office, but I can't give relief because I can't do anything in the federal court. So that whole issue was kind of lurking over there, right? But what came out in Andrew Warren's trial, and I'm going to read a direct quote on this, right? So what came out in Andrew Warren's trial was that state attorney Monique Worrell was on the governor's hit list. OK, so basically how this went down is that, you know, the governor has this public safety czar. Putting that in quotes. Uh, so this public safety czar, Larry Keefe, uh, basically was like, I want to review all the prosecutors in the state of Florida and see who's, quote unquote, not following the law. In other words, they don't believe or support the same worldview as the governor and his cronies that basically just want to put everyone in prison forever, overcrowded prisons, and then farming out to more private prisons so they can get more money. You know, reality. Anyway, so this, this public safety czar's quote unquote is, was reviewing prosecutors for potential removal. Okay, so they literally had a hit list of prosecutors that they were going to pull out of office because they disagreed with their viewpoints. Again, let's keep in mind here, right? Prosecutors are elected by their community. And you, you will have a situation where you may have someone that voted for this governor, but voted for a, pro a progressive prosecutor, right? Because again, politics is very local. And if you have a message that resonates with the people, well, you're going to get elected, right? So the reality is when people go out to vote, their vote needs to be respected. And the fact of the matter is Andrew Warren was duly elected by the people. If they didn't like what he was doing, they could have voted for somebody else, right? Same thing with Monique Worrell. If the people don't like what she's doing, listen, she's up for re-election in 2024. That again is up for the voters to decide, right? So he basically has been targeting her and is using this case, even though there's absolutely nothing there, there is no grounds for him to go after her. He's using this as a pretext in order to pull her out of office because that was his goal all along. So now, mind you, nothing has happened. Okay. She has not been pulled out of office. She's still very much the state attorney in, in Orange Osceola County. But again, he is not on firm legal grounds here to try to pull her out of office because again, it's FDLE who messed up, not her. She handled her business. They did not. Right. So getting back to what this public safeties are said. So this guy, Larry Keefe was removing, was reviewing prosecutors for potential removal. Him and folks from the governor's office consulted with Orange County Sheriff John Mina. Okay. So again, remember Orlando is in Orange County. So this is the sheriff for the entire area that Monique Worrell is over as state attorney. So the two of them would be, you know, working together. Right. So the sheriff said, listen, you know, it's hard to be a sheriff in Orlando, but the reality is 
you need to be taking a look over at Tampa and look at Andrew Warren, right? So basically, this Sheriff Mina threw Andrew Warren under the bus, but didn't say anything about Monique. He was like, well, you know, Warrell, he was like, listen, you know, hey, Orlando's not the best place for us, but at the same token, work, you know, State Attorney Warrell and I are cool. Like, we're able to, like, get things done, right? So he was the one that said, don't mess with Monique Worrell, go after Andrew Warren. Separate discussion there, whether he should, should not have weighed in, whatever, be that as it may. The fact of the matter is, it's common knowledge, and it came out on the record in Andrew Warren's trial that the governor is deliberately targeting certain elected prosecutors in this state, which is another way of disenfranchising voters because again, these are the folks that elected, you know, us as rank and file voters elected these folks to serve us. And they should serve until such time that the people say, A, you've lost your mandate. You're not handling your business the way that we expected you to. So wanted to just make sure that everyone had the real deal on what's going on in that case. And be sure to raise your voice about it. Because again, this is like the hallmarks of communism. When you're coming in and pulling people out of office just because you don't like them or you disagree with their viewpoints, that's that's not okay, right? Because again, democracy means you go to the ballot box, your vote, your vote counts, your vote is respected, right? If you have elected officials that are coming in and flexing power by pulling people out of office, that is the complete opposite to democracy. And again, we are seeing, and we'll go through a lot of these bills as, as time goes on throughout the legislative session, but what you're, the theme you're really seeing is kind of like a land grab by the governor. You know, he wants to lock down education and make himself the sole arbiter of what should be taught in Florida schools. Forget like experts and people who actually have degrees in like education. No, no, no. He wants to be the one to control that. He wants to, you know, control what people do with their bodies, whether you are a person that gives birth, whether you are transgender, whether you're a transgender child and your family's like, okay, that's the journey you're on. I'm going to support you on it. He's now trying to find a way to basically kidnap these children from their parents. Right. So this in the bigger scheme of things of what's happening, folks should be really scared and concerned. But being scared and concerned doesn't mean you hide in the closet and just like freak out. Right. It means that you keep pressure on your legislators to let them know, hey, we're watching. Right. You donate to candidates who are about progress and who are about connecting with the community and addressing real issues like property insurance, like hurricane insurance, like unaffordable housing for, for like, the fact of the matter is that you got to be making like $150,000 to get a, a, like a, a hovel, like a tiny little hole in Miami. We got big problems here, right? These are things that affect everyone's day-to-day -day life. If you can't have affordable housing, how are you supposed to flourish in this city, in this state, in this county? You can't. But instead of focusing on these things, it's all about culture wars, because again, the reality is folks, unfortunately, don't do the follow up, right? You see the headline, oh my gosh, he's you know ending gender studies in Florida universities, or oh, you see that he's removed this prosecutor out of office, or that he's taken over Disney. But then you don't read, a lot of folks don't read the fine print of what actually happens later on down the, um, down the line. So for instance, yeah, he took over Disney, but he had to backtrack that because 
there was no way the counties could absorb an over $1 billion price tag if they completely dismantled the, the agreement they have with Disney. So now basically he's like, well, I've appointed a board that's now going to oversee Disney, except it's only a infrastructure and like code. So literally the only thing they can oversee is the physical location of Disney, but not anything that has to do with ideology or messaging or anything like that. So the reality is he got the big splash that, oh yeah, I took it to Disney. But the reality is he didn't do a damn thing. So all of these, you know, actions are designed to get him free publicity in advance of the presidential run that we know is coming, right? Like this is one of the worst kept secrets. Like, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm not running, but I'm going to show up at CPAC. I'm not running, but I'm going to go to all the early primary states. I'm not running, but I'm releasing a book, right? Like, dude, you're running. We know you're going to run, right? So knowing this he's trying to dominate the news cycle with all of these you know different headlines and throwing out all these crazy bills and going after elected prosecutors and doing all this so that he constantly stays in the news cycle for free all right because if you run for office normally you have to pay to get to buy ads and to kind of get your name out there and things like that he's using unfortunately the backs of the people of florida to get his message out there for free so all of these things, we just folks need to really like stay woke, stay pay attention, right? And when I say woke, I say keep your eyes open because there are things happening and there's a lot of things being thrown out there with the intention of distracting you and get you freaked out over this over here. Meanwhile, these other more insidious things are happening and pushing through and we're not paying attention because we're all caught up over here. So keep your eyes open, pay attention. And that's the real deal of what's going on with uh, the, the murders of three innocent people, the injuries of two more, um, and of course now a defendant in custody. So at the end of the day, we need to center the three people who lost their lives completely senselessly to gun violence. You know, a child just playing in their house, a journalist, you know, just doing their job. And, you know, a woman just trying to help somebody out that looked like they were in trouble. So we need to focus on that and uplift their families and not get caught up in the political foolishness. All right, y'all. So next week, we're going to be back on start to address things that are going to be coming up this, this session. And we'll be highlighting some amazing women that are doing amazing things in the community and really fighting to make sure that everybody's voices are heard in this process. All right, y'all take good care. Bye.